Costs to originate keep rising, even with more technology in the industry. The problem is the core platform. A new LOS can re-architect the process around data, not humans moving paper files. Vesta has built this LOS, and you can learn more at Vesta.com. Pulled from the hottest topics coming across our news desk, I'm Alcina Lloyd, and this is The Daily Download. In today's Daily Download crossover episode, Mortgage Marketing Radio's Jeff Zemper and Housing Wire's Editor-in-Chief Sarah Wheeler discuss what a Biden presidency could mean for housing as well as what the housing market could look like in 2021. So without any more waiting, let's dive into today's episode. We're talking about what's hot in housing, as always, with my special guest, Sarah Wheeler, content editor-in-chief extraordinaire, Housing Wire. Welcome, welcome, welcome. I love being on here. Thanks for having me, Jeff. Love having you back, keeping us tuned into what's happening in real estate, mortgage, fintech, all that kind of stuff. So let's then get into today's topics. We are talking about some interesting, crazy developments here. Um, Obviously, our main topic here today is what a Biden presidency could mean for housing, So, Sarah, where do you think we should start? You know, I think we should start on the $15,000 first-time homebuyer tax credit. That's been a lot of buzz on our site. People are really interested in that because, obviously, it would help a lot of people who right now can't get into a house. $15,000 is a lot of money um, for a first-time homebuyer. So I think that's a place to start. Uh, I would agree. And what's up, Liz LaFour? Shout out to you. One of my favorite people there on the planet, lender extraordinaire down in San Diego. So if you need a mortgage and you're in San Diego, Google Liz Reyes Lafore, L-E-F-O-R-E, Prime Lending. Okay, um, so 15, hopefully I have the right card here. That's not it. It's hard to tell. Uh, there we go. $15,000 tracks credit aimed to help. This is quite a broad category. Young, first-time homebuyers, black and Hispanic homebuyers, which would cost approximately, ladies and gentlemen, $25 billion annually. Sarah, how's that going to happen? <laughs> you know, that, that's the question, right? So in the past, we've had a first-time homebuyer tax credit that really came, you know, you you got to claim it on your taxes um, when you paid them in in uh, the spring. But this one is really, first of all, that was like 7500 and that was at the top. And that was under Bush. And I think Obama, I think it went into the Obama um presidency until it until it expired. So this is double what we've done before. Right. And also, um, you know, there's really no, uh, there's not a lot of details on how that would happen, because this is like something that would happen at closing. So you go right. to closing, and, and you get a credit for up to $15,000. But it happens right then you're not getting it back. And in, in when you file your taxes. So um, I think I think mostly people think this is kind of dead in the water unless something happens in Georgia, because if you've got Mitch McConnell, um, of course, the uh, the Democrats held the House. Uh, the Republicans look like they're holding the Senate. We'll know more after that um, special election. But it, as long as Mitch McConnell is in charge, I don't think this is going to pass. So um, I think but people are excited about it. it. It does. What it does is it gives you that that boost. If you're trying to if you're renting and you're already paying a bunch of rent and you're trying to save for that house, that down payment, that might be the only thing holding you back. And and you can't outsave the the how the housing prices are going up. So I can understand why it's a something people want. I just don't know how it's going to happen. So if I heard you say correctly, you think that the $15,000 tax credit, which you get at closing, you think that's dead in the water? I do. I, so- I do unless, I mean, because I, I, just, I mean, that's my own personal opinion. When I, when I talk to people, what they say is like, that's a really great idea. That's awesome. 
probably not going to happen because I just don't see how you get that through Congress. But on the other hand, you know, um, it's it's possible that um, even Mitch McConnell or the or the Republicans in the Senate would would have the pressure for that. I'm not sure, but I don't I don't think me personally, Sarah, I don't think I don't think it's going to happen. So the first item uh, on the docket here today of talking about what a Biden presidency would mean for housing, the $15,000 $15, tax credit gets a big, is that what we're saying? <laughs> That's what we're saying. I did talk, All right. I talked to Bob Rixman on our, on our um, housing news podcast yesterday and asked him about it. And, and he thought it was a great idea and also thought it probably didn't have any legs. So, And he's, he's uh, the president CEO of the NBA, so his opinion's much uh, better than mine. Yeah, well, that's one heck of a tax credit, I tell you, especially at, 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 and it's like, everybody's asking, like, where does that come from, though? You know what I mean? How does right. that magically show up at escrow? I was like, oh, and here's your track. Thank you. Someone's paying for that. Complicated enough. Yeah, no doubt. All right. So that's the first one. Um, where should we go here next? What do we see? What do we, that's the one we did there. Okay. Do you want to talk about this? Um, the $640 billion over 10 years so that every American has access to, hang on, housing that's affordable, stable, safe, healthy, accessible, energy efficient, resilient, and located near good schools and with a reasonable commute to their jobs. <laughs> Woo! <laughs> that's, a, that's a mouthful there. It's a big one. Uh, that's a lot. Yes. So um, when you dig in more, when you look at what there is, there's just not that much more detail there. Yeah. So he did, he did uh, split out the fact that some of that, I think it's 300, I'm looking it up right now, but 300 million um, to um, go to new construction to help new construction as part of the infrastructure bill. Yep. Um, so I do think that that, at least that's, that's something to, to, yeah, 300 billion, sorry, of the housing plan is devoted to new construction and would be encompassed in the $1.3 trillion infrastructure plan. Um, Is that part of the, uh, I'm on here too as well, trying to follow along, the $10 billion retrofitting fund, or is that separate? Uh, you know what? I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm quizzing you now. You, don't, you may not know. But I just find that to be a very interesting topic of the, the discussion of the, and I may be going off topic here, but to retrofit all these buildings to make them green and energy efficient and all that kind of stuff. Plus the new builds have to meet that new standard. Yeah, no, so it is interesting. And, and there's just not a lot of, so is he looking at, you know, multifamily units? Is he looking at, you know, accessory dwelling units? Is he going to get people? I mean, I, we just don't have any specifics on what that looks like. Um, yeah. So what, what I envision as that is I envision it as like a big green wrapper around all the homes and commercial buildings around the nation making that. All right. I'm just joking. Sorry. That's, uh, that's very, that's bad too. I have my own fail today. All right. I don't mean to interrupt you, take you off flow, but I also want to have some fun. And as we talk about this. Absolutely. So I, we would love more, um, you know, we'd love to know, understand more what that looks like. And, and there's some of that, that obviously he could do, he could do himself. Um, he could do through executive orders, something like that, but we just don't have enough detail to really go. What is that? Look, who's going to, who's going to benefit. And then, and then getting near good schools and, and commute. I, I, I don't know how you do that. I, that seems well, we have to start building residential things next to schools and you know what I mean? And all that <laughs> stuff. It must mean that everybody has to have a less than 15 minute commute to, to work or, or or we're unhappy as Americans. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I do think that the affordable housing part we're really looking at, obviously, you yeah. know, we think he's going to go back to some of those things that um, that Obama, the Obama administration did. And so we can kind of look to that as a roadmap. And I do think that some of those affordable housing things are going to are going to happen again. There's just a little bit uh, light on details. 
Yeah, and by the way, I'm making light of this, but there are, look, there's good intention, right, behind some of these ideas and programs, uh, but like I think you and I are pointing out is there's intentions, there's headlines, and then there's actually making stuff happen uh, in the real world. So The other thing that was pointed out to me, uh, Bob uh, Brooksmith did, and other people we've talked to is like, really, um, even though he's pledged to do some of these things, you know, back on the campaign trail, like last year, he's like, this is what I'm gonna do on day one. It's like, on day one, he's gonna have to look at COVID. I mean, some of these things are gonna get pushed just because you only have so much, you know, time mm -hmm. and money, and that's the first priority. So some of these things, even if, if there's something he really wants to do, um, might get pushed. And by the way, just for those watching, just to play fair here, this is um, all based on the assumption that uh, the current uh, projected winner is uh, president-elect, uh, potentially Joe Biden. I don't want to say that incorrectly, right? And get all that backlash. Uh, all right. So let's move on to probably the more meatier, more juicy one, which is um, this one, um, which is about uh, Fannie Freddie, or uh, FHA, FHFA, hardest thing in the world to say, uh, doubling down on the ending of the GSE conservatorship. This is about Fannie and Freddie going IPO, right? Yeah, so it's just, um, so we called them because I think they put out something that said, um, you know, that, that in their in their strategic plan, it's still in there between 2020 uh, 20 and 2024 that this, you know, exiting conservatorship, this is this is part of their goals that they have to do. But, you know, we called them to be like, is this really going to happen? You know, now that Biden looks like he won, you know, what does that look like? And um, and they did, they, they confirmed to us that their spokesman was like, no, this is still our priority. And when I talked to Bob yesterday, he said that, he thinks they're going to, you know, I was like, well, surely that kicks it down the road. It's going to be a longer timeline. He's like, no, no, I, I think it's a shorter timeline. So from his perspective is there's, you know, um, there's definitely a, uh, a push on now. It's just hard to see how that happens. If who's going to want to be the investor in that, who's going to pick that up at, at that point. So if you, if you think you could even actually do that um, before something happens with uh, Mark Calabria, which right. we all know, you know, could be, he could be replaced well, it, it's still not sure. It's still not a certain thing, but um, there's more there's more um, questions about how long he could actually serve out his term, depending on what the Supreme Court decides. So, which, by the way, there's a very interesting read on this: um, the FHFA uh, ending GSE conservatorship. Brilliant read. Guess where I find that? I find that on HousingWire. That's where I find it. <laughs> HousingWire.com. Um, and it really goes into some good detail here about uh, Calabria um, is removable only for cause and is allegedly independent in any particular administration. Um, and his term isn't completed until 2024. So, I mean, there's a chance he could stay. Yes, but uh, because the Supreme Court ruled that uh, the, the, the way that the CFPB is their leadership uh, with a single director was unconstitutional. Mm. It's widely seen that Mark Calabria is next and the FHFA is going to going to have the same ruling. So we'll see. But it might take a while and it might take long enough that they could they could exit conservatorship potentially. Well, and this is what your article goes on to say, which is that if all goes well, 2021 or 22, we could see them going IPO, which would be the largest public share offering in U.S. history. Analysts had valued this offering between 150 and 200 billion. Right. <laughs> I mean, this is not small potatoes, you know, but, you know, Logan Motoshami is our lead analyst. He made a great point that, um, you know, COVID, if if they had been private companies and COVID hit, what would that have meant for the for the mortgage market? If they have to worry about their shareholders instead of worrying about, you know, the government saying, hey, OK, we're going to redirect you and we're going to do forbearance. We're going to do all these things. I mean, you can't do that with a private company. So, um, 
it's it is it was a good point, and I wonder um, if that's going to put a chilling effect on this. Not not for Mark Calabria, not for the Trump administration, but um, for other people going forward. There we go. We have a vote from our watching public, which is please dump Calabria. Ah! <laughs> All right. Uh, the, the tribe has spoken, or at least one of the tribe watching. Um, hey, everybody, speaking of that watching, what's your take on housing for 2021? Are you bearish, bullish, right? Um, are you confident? You feel you feel confident in the future this coming year? Are you focused on purchases, refis? Where are you at? By the way, I got to give a shout out to uh, Richard Gomez, who has a long post in this that I'm trying to show as a banner. Thanks for the shout out on the podcast. We appreciate you, Richard. Google is your way to stay tuned. Keep up the great work, Richard from North Miami. Richard, if you don't have a book yet, uh, message me on Facebook and I'll mail you a free copy of my book. How's that? See, that's what you get for participating people. Congratulations. You are the winner. Yeah. So thank you for putting in your comments there. And it's not just because you gave me love on the podcast, although that did help. Um, okay. So let's then get back into our content here today. I believe we've also, we're talking about if Jeff could find the magic button. There we go. U.S. forbearance rate measuring my little logos is, is blocking that. Bottom line is this, is that uh, forbearance suspend. What am I trying to say, Sarah? You take it from here. Okay, well, the, the number of mortgages in forbearance uh, continues to fall, and they actually fell a lot last week, um, yes. according to the Mortgage Bankers Association. So they fell 17 basis points down to 3.49%. Mm. So that's good news. Um, the, only, the only little asterisk there is that there are people getting out of forbearance who look like they've never talked to their servicer. So it's unclear are they really able to handle their mortgage going forward or did they just kind of like it just ended and now they're not out of forbearance, but they didn't, they didn't get a loss, you know, they didn't get anything um, settled. And so are those people going to, you know, go back into forbearance? So um, I think that there's, that's kind of an asterisk, but otherwise that's awesome news, really good news for the industry that um, it seems to be. And, and you still have a good number of people who are still making their, their mortgage payments while they're in forbearance. So, you know, they're, they can come out and, and nothing changes for them. They don't have a big lump sum. They don't have to, you know, redo the terms. So um, all of that is good news. Yeah, that is good news. It is still kind of a little bit of an unknown for that point. Um, but I, I guess, you know, there's always the talk. I, I don't know about you. Do you run into people talking about the foreclosure, you know, and like shadow inventory with forbearance and all that stuff. And I mean, as, as, and I'm not an expert on the data by any way, I just learned from people like you at housing wire. Um, but do you have any just comments regarding, you know, the, the risk of um, uh, foreclosures coming back? Um, I, I feel like it's pretty, I think it's pretty small. I think that, that when you look at who in this forbearance pool, um, I think that it's the number of, it's the people who are, you know, 90 days late or more. And those people really haven't changed very much since, I mean, they were, they were 90 days past due in February. So, so outside of COVID, um, and so when you see people coming out, so, so we just had the first six months expire, the next six months will expire in, in April. But I mean, I, I don't, I, I don't think we're going to have that, uh, for foreclosure thing. Also, I don't think there's going to be any appetite for people to foreclose on people because of COVID related things. So even well, if you get out of forbearance, who is going to, um, roll that back and be like, yes, we should definitely foreclose on those people. I don't know. 
And, and, and by the way, that makes me think of like I was doing some wonderfully uh, rich reading before our session here today on the Joe Biden plan as it relates to housing, which you can find at JoeBiden.com, by the way. Um, but anyway, there are some additional initiatives in there around um, mitigating uh, foreclosure activities for just more protection for people when it comes to foreclosures and what, what you know, landlords can do to renters or whatnot and timelines and you know, all that kind of stuff. So I think the bottom line, we know that uh, probably the Biden camp is more protective, if you will, of the homeowner, the quote, average consumer. So they're gonna put more of those kind of things in place to you know, reduce the amount of bad stuff that can go on out there. I agree, maybe we'll get another stimulus bill here um, before too long and that could, that could change the calculus for some people at least. And of course, we always love to see opinions from our public here, our viewers. Um, this individual feels that too many people took advantage of the forbearance under the assumption they were just pocketing extra cash. How dare they? What are they think? You know, but I will say that um, when they looked at people who had um, at least took the um, the people spending habits who took the stimulus bill, mainly they they didn't spend it. They saved it. They So I, I don't know if we have those same sort of stats for people in forbearance. But at least the the people who uh, took stimulus checks, it didn't really stimulate the economy in the sense that they're going out, they're paying the rent, they're, which is kind of what it was for, right? They're not buying like right. toys or, you know, grown up toys, whatever, um, apparently. So, you know, maybe people are being more responsible than than is visible. Well, you would think, though, think so. If anybody lived through 2008, right, that's what we argue came out of that was we're more aware of kind of getting heavy on consumer debt, although history does repeat itself. Um, okay, so lastly, let's wrap it up with talking about, uh, let me bring up this page, uh, another wonderful uh, section on Housing Wire, um, about interest rates, another record low. This is uh, end of last month here, another record low. And then some, you probably have some talking points around uh, the Federal Reserve Chairman Jerome Powell announcement. He came out and said, what's happening with rates? Yeah, so I'm, I mean, I think, you know, it's always the, the Federal uh, Reserve really wants to uh, calm people. They want to have it stable. And so the continued message is rates will be low. Rates will be low. Don't worry. This time next year, rates will be low. Um, there was some ambiguity about about some of the things he said that people interpreted to be like, oh, he said this, but not that. Um, I, that's pretty much in the minutiae. I think that everyone I've talked to across the board thinks that, you know, no problem for the next six months, probably no problem for the next 12 months. Um, I mean, the economy would have to... Um, get much better than it is now and we'd have to have a vaccine. I mean, yes, rates could go up um, at some point, but it's hard to see that even this time next year. And so, you know, he is, the Federal Reserve has continually tried to tell people it's gonna be 2021, 2022, you can count on it, it's it's all good. So um, we're expecting more, you know, continued low rates and that's just going to keep fueling this amazing origination boom that we're having. Yeah, man, oh man, it's crazy. And then, uh, I don't know, maybe on a future episode, we can um, get into you know some of the challenges around the country when it comes to uh, markets, offers, things like that, uh, pricing, you know, uh, is there a ceiling, right? Cutoff point where we need to come back down the other side a little bit of the roller coaster and get some relief to that. So, you know, um, just tying back into the FHFA, um, you know, that adverse market fee that they put on refis, mm -hmm. um, you know, that's that's in question. If you look at, um, of course, they've already started pricing that in. It goes into effect December 1st, but um, right. it's already been priced in. Right. But if, by, you know, if everything goes smoothly and, you know, we have Biden in the White House, what happens to that? Uh, if if Fannie and Freddie aren't being recapitalized, if they're not, you know, trying to exit conservatorship, if we have a change at the FHFA, what happens to that fee? Um, so it'll be interesting to look at. 
Well, and that's a conversation I had uh, with somebody else a little bit more in depth in terms of like what does happen if Fannie and Freddie does go public because now they're serving a different master, so to speak, right? Which are right. shareholders, which is they're more profit oriented. So yeah, how, does, how, does that, how does that help the, you know, further home buying for, uh, dare I bring up Joe Biden's slide again there? Well, let me see if I can find it right here. Hold on. <laughs> Where it is here. Um, is that the one? Uh, yeah, affordable housing, right? Stable, safe, healthy, close to home, work, pleasant, right? All that kind of jazz. How does that help? Um, I don't know. Well, I mean, you could say there's going to be more uh, competition in the market, right? So right now it's pretty much locked up and you can't really compete with uh, the GSEs. So, I mean, there's two sides to that, but I'm not, I'm not the expert on that. But No, I know. And I, I'm not trying to put you in a position where you're going to have to answer. I'm just thinking out loud. Like if you're talking about like then lines of credit and funding, like who has a bigger line of credit than them? Right. Like, nope. Like really, you know, and who's willing, who, who has the potential to take some of those risk factors, knowing that they're a quasi kind of government entity who doesn't have to necessarily be as concerned with performance, you know? And who would we trust as a, as a corporate governance structure to, to make those dis hard decisions when it comes down to like, Oh, we have a pandemic. <laughs> yeah. Well, and then and this could get into, you know, other countries where, where they have the kind of like nationalized lending, you know what I mean? Um, and that the government is deeply involved in setting the rates and it's different, uh, like in Canada, for example, um, how the, how the rates are set anyway. Um, so what's, what are you working on for, uh, coming up for housing wire next? What, what, what's down the, the, the tunnel for you here? You know, I don't know about next, but today, you know, Loan Depot uh, announced yeah. that uh, their IPO is a go. And so I think we're still following for real, for real. For real this time. Well, That's did you see idea. the other that did you know that there's a bigger announcement than that about Lone Depot? Do you know what it is? No, what's that? Anthony Shea's sixty million dollar house he purchased in Orange County. <laughs> what, did he sell it or or just the fact no, that he, he bought he bought one? Oh, gotcha. Yeah. Sixty one million to be specific according to the article I read. But uh there you go. It's good to be Anthony. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so we're looking at that. Um we're continuing to follow up with what, what does a Biden uh, presidency mean? Because there, there are so many ways to look at that. And um, and then we continue to follow rates. And just just a plug, HousingWire yeah. is most of, I would say 85% of our content is in front of the paywall. We try to have you know all the daily stuff you need um, free. And then we do uh, put premium content behind the paywall. So you have to subscribe for that, but you get a lot of benefits too. So, yeah. But it's like a cup of coffee. Come on. You know, Absolutely. you You've got to invest in your success and in your knowledge. And anybody who's watching me or listening to me, they they know that I've been for a long time preaching. We've got to become, you know, modern mortgage originators. Part of that means knowing what's going on and being able to speak effectively to that. And uh, I don't know of a better source, you know, to get that in terms of what's happening across the markets, both, I mean, if I look at the, your content, your sections here, right, you got mortgage origination, servicing, secondary markets, uh, home equity mortgage rates, obviously real estate. So if you have realtors who are friends, by the way, here's a good solid you can do. Just text them a link, put, share it on their social media page, whatever. Hey, here's a great article from Housing Wire I found that you might find interest in. On and on, FinTech, politics, money. I'm telling you, it's it's the daily bat dashboard of things to check every morning for me. Thanks, Jeff. Appreciate that. Yeah, you bet. You guys are doing a great job over there. All right, Sarah, thank you so much for being here. As always, we appreciate you tuning in. Thanks for having me. Not only just tuning in, but joining us <laughs> and being part of the conversation. And once again, as a reminder, if you haven't yet subscribed to the podcast, Mortgage Marketing Radio, you know where to do that. And uh, we'll see you on the next one. 
Thanks for listening to the daily download today. If you haven't already, don't forget to subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss out on the news of the day as we continue to share the hottest topics in the industry every weekday. With that, it's a wrap on today's episode of the daily download and catch everyone here again.